Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In book six of the Nicomachean Ethics, Aristotle is now going to turn to focus his attention on what we have since his time come to call the intellectual virtues. These are dispositions, or in Greek, hexes, that is, habits, that are established within the intellectual or rational part of the human soul, as opposed to the irrational part, which is where we see the moral virtues established. It's important to note, of course, that reason, which is happening up in this area of the soul, we might say, is very much involved in the moral virtues, but they have to do with the part of the soul that can listen to reason, but isn't itself reasonable. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So you notice that we've got five things written here. Intellect, also translated as intelligence, mind sometimes, wisdom, scientific knowledge, art skill, and prudence. These are the five intellectual virtues. These are dispositions that can be gradually established within a person's soul, or if you don't like the theological implications of soul, which actually Aristotle doesn't, doesn't have, uh, but if that word bothers you, think personality or character or personhood. Now, when we're talking about parts of the soul, which is where he really begins, it's important to keep in mind something that he said in Nicomachean Ethics Book 1, where some of this information is actually coming from, and also in the De Anima, or On the Soul, where he's, he's specifically talking about the soul, which is that when we're talking about parts, these are not things like solid parts of a machine that cannot occupy the same space, that don't interpenetrate in any way. They're not separable. They're not different things totally apart from each other in some box that we call the soul. Rather, they are characteristic functions, you might say, of that same soul. And, you know, Aristotle says at one point, you could think of them as being related like the convex is to the concave. They're not really radically distinct from each other, although we can distinguish them from each other. And there are interactions that they are carrying out. So we're going to work our way on up to the parts that we're really interested in, mainly just so we can, at the very beginning, get rid of the things that we're not particularly interested in. You notice Aristotle divides the soul into a rational part and an irrational part. The irrational part is what we share in common with animals and even other living things like plants, or, you know, if Aristotle knew about bacteria, he would probably place them in there. The lowest part of the soul, big part of the soul, probably has a whole bunch of different, you know, sub-functions, is what he calls the threptikos in Greek. And we typically translate this as vegetative, in part because it's something that plants themselves do, but also when we talk about a person being in a vegetative state, really that's all that's going on with them. The vegetative part of the soul handles things like digestion, for example. You know, it's fortunate that you don't actually have to deliberate about digestion, although you may deliberate about what you want to put in there to eat, right? Or whether you want to take supplements or anything like that. But you don't have to think about the processes themselves. Because if you did, boy, you'd get nothing done all day long, would you? So a lot of those things just sort of handle themselves on, on their way. Aristotle doesn't tell us much about this, and certainly not in, in terms of ethics or intellectual life. Then higher than that is the part that we share in common with animals. This is the orectikon, 
Uh, Araxis is the most wide-ranging term that Aristotle uses for all forms of affectivity, desire, emotion, the things that we, we feel, mood, if you like, as well. And this part, like I put here, is affective and desirous. It is amenable to reason in human beings, though not in animals, in other animals, because we're animals as well, but in, in other animals it's not, according to Aristotle, amenable to reason. But it's not by itself going to automatically take its marching orders from reason. It does what it does. And this is the realm where the moral virtues, the excellences of character, which have to do with actions and emotions, as well as a few other things like how we value goods, those are you know, lodged, you might say, in that part of the soul. They, they certainly draw upon the rational part of the soul in order to be virtues, as Aristotle is going to say, as we discussed in other videos. However, they are in that part of the soul. They're a portion of that part of the soul's activities. When we turn to the rational part, you notice that we've got two terms here that Aristotle uses to say, let's call them this and that. There's a higher part of the rational soul and a lower part of the rational soul. And the lower part of the rational soul is particularly connected with the affective or desirous orecticon part of the irrational soul. The highest part he calls the epistemonicon. This is coming from the Greek word for knowledge, epistemonicon. And as he says, this is the part that engages in contemplation, that's theoria or theorem, of things whose first principles don't change. Now, that doesn't mean that the things that it's, it's thinking about or observing or, or reasoning about or any of those sorts of activities don't themselves change, but their first principles don't change. And then the other part of the soul, the logisticon, you know, we can call this a reasoning that's translated in some cases as calculative, right? Aristotle also says we can call this a deliberative faculty, a faculty that engages in deliberation, which then affects what goes on in here. It contemplates things whose first principles do in fact change. So not only do the things themselves change, but what would count as first principles might change from situation to situation. And what we're going to see is that there's a very strong connection between what we can call truth in thought and truth in action or truth in desire. Between the speculative or pure reason right, and practical reason. Aristotle is going to draw these out in, in different ways, but it's important to note that there is a distinction here, and Aristotle is making that distinction in, in particularly in terms of the activities and the objects of these parts of the soul. Uh, why does he do that? Well, he goes on and he says, on the assumption that knowledge is based on a likeness or affinity of some sort between subject and object, the parts of the soul adapted to the cognition of objects that are of different kinds must themselves differ in kind. So the, the parts of the soul that are engaged with knowing or reasoning or deliberating or thinking in any sort of way, part of what makes us distinctively human, are going to be conditioned by their objects. They're going to be sort of tailored to them. So here's where we make the move now from these parts of the soul to the intellectual virtues. And let's draw a dividing line right here as well. Let's actually start with the lowest part. You notice that we've got two entries in there. One is art or skill. 
techne. Then there's prudence, prudence or practical wisdom, phronesis. Something that in Plato sometimes is used synonymously with wisdom, Sophia, but in Aristotle has a distinct meaning. Notice, too, that prudence has some sort of connection to the moral virtues, but is not itself one of the moral virtues, as it is for some other philosophers. It's not for Aristotle. There's that a distinction there. So our skill is productive. It allows us to make things, to create things, to make things happen in certain ways, to produce things where they weren't before. Prudence has to do not with poesis or production, but with action as such, and the tailoring means to proper ends. So it's going to govern conduct. Both of these are practical in the broad sense, but this is practical and this is productive. Intellect sometimes translated as intelligence, sometimes translated as mind, is the Greek term nous, and sometimes also dianoia as well. And intellect is going to, in some ways, straddle this field. Intellect consists in the grasp of these first principles. So first principles are our case, starting points, that we begin from when we're thinking about things, when we're reasoning, when we're inferring, right? When we're deliberating as well. Intellect is what supplies us with those. So intellect will play a major role here in the theoretical part, but it also will play a role for prudence as well. Wisdom, Sophia, this is actually, Aristotle considers it to, to be the highest of the intellectual virtues, the, in, in some respects, the, the greatest or the best. It's part of what philosophers are after, and he says some philosophers actually did have this. Presumably, he, he would include himself among them, and this is primarily oriented towards the theoretical. And we're going to see in a bit that wisdom and scientific knowledge, when we turn to the video on that, are closely connected as is intellect. Now, scientific knowledge, this is the term that we're using here to translate the Greek catch-all episteme, the word that we get epistemology from. This does mean knowledge. And when we talk about a particular branch of knowledge, we're talking about one of the sciences. So scientific knowledge about something means understanding what that thing is. It's not just a productive knowledge. Aristotle is making a strong distinction between techne and episteme here. Something that, by the way, again, Plato did not particularly observe. He kind of shifted back and forth between these. Aristotle considers scientific knowledge to be something that is concerned with this part of the intellect, and so it's concerned with the things that don't change, or the, whose principles don't change. And these down here are concerned with the much more malleable, practical sphere as well. So each one of these can be parsed out a little bit further, and Aristotle does that. And notice that with some of these, for example, techne or art or skill or scientific knowledge, we can also talk about types of scientific knowledge. For example, knowledge of physics or knowledge of biology, knowledge of other things as well, different arts or skills. Making boots is not the same thing as making love if there, there is indeed a techne of that is. You know, some people thought there was, or uh, making victory through military strategy. Although notice that Aristotle will consider military science an episteme at, at certain points. So this gives you a broad overview of how these five intellectual virtues that Aristotle is particularly interested in are connected up with the human soul and its various parts, particularly in the rational part.
Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.